I encourage everyone to take a moment and breathe and take a tea cheers with a Jiri tea. A Jiri tea recognizes the beauty in shared stories and shared opportunities. Ajiri sources award-winning tea from Kenya, employs women in the region to handcraft the labels, and sends 100% of the profits back to the region to support orphan education. Save 10% on your order of Kenyan teas and coffee with the code BEAUTIFULLYHUMAN at ajiritea.com. A-J-I-R-I-T.com. Tea mugs up! Hello, and welcome to the Beautifully Human Podcast. I'm Nick Sheesby. In this podcast, I speak with beautiful humans from all around the world, sharing with you their incredible stories, revealing the power in every human story to spread love and humanity to a world that is in desperate need of it, to show that we can all connect in beautiful ways, no matter where we come from or what we look like. What you will find out is that we are all beautifully human. Let's all be beautifully human. Hello and welcome to the Beautifully Human podcast. Thanks for joining from wherever in the world that you are. It's really awesome that you're here. Today I am hanging out with Hope Reger and she has been through an experience that is most people's worst nightmare and she has taken it and turned it into something incredibly beautiful and unbelievably positive and it's really 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 incredible that she's doing it with such beauty and such a love for her fellow humans and yeah this is a really powerful conversation so i hope you enjoy it if you enjoy the podcast follow along on spotify follow along on instagram at the beautifully human podcast rate review and subscribe it gets these stories out to more people and that is a beautiful thing and most of all enjoy this beautiful conversation i love to start these off with a very broad overarching question and tell, say tell me the story of your life wow okay uh, um I was born in the 70s. My family um, is is split. Uh, I come from a divorced family. My parents divorced when I was eight. We moved around quite a bit um, with my mom. Um, She, you know, got new new jobs and moved around. She was just never very stable when it comes to uh, living arrangements. So we moved around all through my teenage years. Um, And then as I grew, um, I was a mom at a very, very early age and sort of took off on my own at 17. I had a little boy at the time and he was my world. And I was going to prove everybody wrong that just because I had him at a young age, it didn't mean that I was going to fail. And I think that's started my whole uh, livelihood of, of being, you know, positive and encouraging and courageous and strength. And um, so as I grew, I, I became um, involved with the financial industry. And that's where I've been the past 25 years is as a talent coordinator for a major bank here um, in Ohio, across the country, actually. Um, I married and divorced. And I had my uh, youngest son in 97, Justin, um, and my kids were my world and I lived for them. I did everything for them. Um, I made sure that they knew mom was, you know, going to be there for them no matter what. Um, I didn't have a really great relationship with my own parents. I think that they, um, you know, they, they sort of left me to do my own thing. And I think that um, looking back, of course, I was very frustrated with that and angry yeah. with that. But um, now it made me who I am. Um, it gave me a lot of strength and courage to do things on my own. Yeah. Um, and I always wanted my my kids to know that I was there for them. And I still I mean, I'm still there um, and that they were my world. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think I think that's a good a good balancing act between like leave me the hell alone mom and dad i'm fine and then the like 
today leave me too much alone. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think right. people can confuse that of, oh man, they are too constrictive and I just can't do anything versus like, well, I didn't give a shit. I just did whatever. And it was right. Exactly. Which exactly. one, which one's better. And I, I know people that on both sides of that spectrum. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so when were you, how, how did, how was it when they got divorced for you? How was, um, like how the did, kid? How, yeah, well, for you, like as a kid, when you were that young, um, you know, it's, it's funny that, and I think I've carried this all through my whole life, but as you look back on things, um, I handle it with laughter, which is ironic, but I'm one of those people that when bad things happen, I, you know, I, start creating jokes and stuff to create the liveliness of it. And I remember being eight years old, coming home from brownies or Girl Scouts. I don't know which one it was. Um, yeah. That was a long time ago. <laughs> but um, they they sat us down, my sister and I, and they said that they were going to go through uh, that, you know, dad was leaving and um, they were going to separate for a while. And at eight years old, I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. And um, I didn't know the reasoning behind it. Of course, I just knew my mom was a mess. And, um, you know, my dad, when he was leaving, I cracked a joke like, you know, don't worry, I got this kind of dad, I'll take care of it, you know, and it's ironic now that I cracked a joke in that serious <laughs> moment. Right. But um, I wanted to sort of smooth everything over, make everything okay. So it's yeah. that's the way I've been my whole entire life. Yeah, that is, I, I, I know I've done that before too. And when, when just something really bad's happened and I've just made a joke and it, it seems ill-timed, but at the time it's just like, I'm hurting so badly that I don't know what right. else to do. Like <laughs> laughter's medicine, right? I think it's the right. best medicine. So maybe if I can laugh about something, it'll be better. Right. It was the worst awkward moment. I remember <laughs> I my bet. dad looking at me and I was just like, you know, and he just looked at me like, that's so hope. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You can have your own little catchphrases. That's so hope. That's so hope. I like that. I like yeah, it. <laughs> see, just any awkward moment, just make a, make a weird joke. And you're like, that's so hope. That's so hope. <laughs> <laughs> um, I asked that because I had a kind of a flip side where um, my parents are still together yet there's been no love probably since me since i came into the world 36 years ago mm -hmm. um and they just stay together for religious reasons which is very tough for me um yeah. so i was just wondering because i've i've come to the grips in my reality of i think i would have been much happier seeing them happy separate because I, I had friends who had divorced parents and it, that it was it was a tough part of life to deal with. But I also was like, well, I have a broken home. Right. So it's just internally, not like two separate homes. And then like you have to deal with like stepmom, stepdad. I didn't have to deal with that dynamic. I just had to deal with the awkward in, in inward broken home. So, yeah, that's why I was wondering, because I've that, that's been something I've been working through now of just being like. Yeah, I think I would have been much happier had they just been happy for themselves. You know, it's funny that you said that because there's so many parents out there who we feel like we're doing the right thing. We're always as parents trying to do the right thing, right? Yeah. We're always trying to think we know. And I've told my my kids before, I said, you know, I've made mistakes. And as I've grown, um, I've learned from those mistakes and I apologize for those mistakes because I've always in the back of my mind really felt that was the right thing at that time. And sometimes it's not. And as parents, we have to, we have to apologize and say, you know, I'm sorry. I thought I was doing the right thing at that time. Um, but I completely get it. Yeah. And I mean, I know we're not perfect. I'm not perfect as much as you love your parents. They're never going to be perfect because we're all human, but all right. um, <laughs> Yeah, it's just such a such a weird dynamic with with parents and kids and then awkward jokes as they're walking out. <laughs> That's so hope. <laughs> That's so hope. That's so hope. Um, so how was when you were moving around? How was that pretty hard? I'm guessing. 
You know, it's um, as I've gone, gotten older, I find myself doing it now, <laughs> ironically enough. And my oldest son, um, who's 31, has been at the same home for nine years. And that's like a record. Um, <laughs> and I feel like he's, you know, he owns his house. And I, I just, I move around a lot now. It's not that I just feel like I'm always moving, looking for something. And um, it's really sad because I want to find something where I feel like, I'm always looking for that home kind of yeah. feel like my, you know, I want that home kind of feel. So I, I don't know if that has an effect, but I know for my son, he's very much a homebody and he does not like to go on vacations. And, and ironically, he's on a vacation right now, but <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he likes where he's at. He's content. And um, for me, I'm just constantly looking and it's, it's, it's it's maybe a product of that i'm yeah. assuming yeah i was gonna say i i can kind of relate to that but i i didn't move around at all i grew up like i said in, in ashland which isn't far from where you're located and i think it was because i didn't move around a lot that i finally just got the bug once i started going because at the same point of you saying that it's a record for your son i mean my parents couldn't say that I've lived in a place for more than a year and a half. Right. <laughs> I mean, the pandemic has been the longest time I've been somewhere. Right. Because I've been in Nashville since the pandemic began. And that, you know, that, that's probably the longest I've ever been anywhere. Right. I, I totally get it. I'm very, very, uh, now I love my hometown. Um, I'm from Xenia where my son lives and, um, I, I love that town. I lived within that town for the past, you know, 20, I moved to Columbus for my job. Okay. Um, but I've lived in that town, but I've moved around within that town. So I don't know. It could be that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only thing I know, well, I went to, there was a, I think it was a play or some some sort of outdoor play with horses and stuff in Zena. Blue Jacket. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Holy hell, I hadn't thought about that in a long time. It's no happening? longer there, unfortunately, okay. but I've been there and it's very close. I mean, that's that's in Xenia. So you're that exactly right. Lovely. It's either Tornado or Blue Jacket. One I was going to say, other. the other thing that I know about Xenia is Gummo, the movie, which I don't know if you saw that movie. No. But it's based around the tornado. It's one of the creepiest, like, oh. most messed up movies. Um, but were you, when When was that tornado? 74. Were you around? I I was not in the town at that time. Okay. No, but yeah, absolutely. I was around, but not in that town. <laughs> Got you. Okay. I didn't want to be insulting, but you did no, say the seventies. <laughs> yes, I did say I was in the seventies. Uh, no, it's um, it's the town is very, very, it's very uh, nostalgic, and and everybody is just gracious, and I love the town, and I love my son owns a business within the town, and so you can't go anywhere to the local Walmart or to the local grocery without somebody knowing my son. So it's a pretty cool place. Pretty cool place. So I like it. Yeah. Maybe then don't watch Gummo because it, it kind of horrified me of, of your know, hometown. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching it and just thinking. No, if I want to watch it now. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe don't watch it. Um, So I have a question that I ask everybody and uh, it kind of goes in with, um finding your sense of home and kind of like m moving around and stuff um if i had if i came to you and i said hope i have a plane ticket and you can go anywhere in the world where would you go you know i would have to say um wow i guess i would go to uh, the Bahamas, the Atlantis, um, sun beach fun. Like, I think we're, we're trying to maybe get there next year. Okay. Um, but I, we got, my husband and I got married in Hawaii. So that would have been my first choice. Um, and it was beautiful. And I, I don't, I haven't been around in a lot of places. Like, you know, I've been to Florida and I've been to, you know, Chicago and Arizona, but I haven't really experienced out I've never experienced outside the United States. So, um, yeah, I would say the Bahamas. That's it's just cool. gorgeous, gorgeous. Yes. The people <laughs> there are by far the best part of, of the Bahamas. They're Is the most it? kind and wonderful, 
just lively, joyful humans. Yeah. I love it's that. Super cool. Uh, we, um, I work in the music industry and my partner and I went on some cruises that had, it was like festivals at sea. So it was, it was music on the boats. And then like you got off on ports to, similar to regular cruises. And we went to this vegan restaurant in Nassau in the Bahamas and we walked there and it was like in the local part of town where mostly the tourists don't get that far to because it was about a mile walk. And I was like, now nah, let's go find this place. <laughs> and we ended up meeting this dude, Cliff, who became a really good friend of mine and he does tours down there. So if you do go there, I will okay. hook you up with Cliff and he'll give you the insider view of NASA. NASA. Awesome. Yeah, he's amazing. He's just, he calls it Cliff hanging. Which is fantastic. That is fantastic. So that yeah. is awesome. I love that. Yeah. So I, I like I like that and I would love it if I could connect some dots and, and get you a get you a local experience in the that in the Bahamas when you go down. Yeah, that would be incredible. Wow. Yeah. Um all right. So I wanna ask you about um your the grief to hope. Mm-hmm. Can you talk yes. to me about that? Absolutely. So a little over four years ago, um, I received a knock at the door. And as a parent of a 19 year old at the time, I thought um, when I saw these policemen outside my door, what has this kid done? And because um, he's 19 and living the life and he was living with some friends um, in our hometown at the time. And the police were there and I opened the door and they asked me if I was Justin's mom. And I said, you know, absolutely. Oh Lord, what am I, you know, and it never dawned on me what they were about to tell me. And they didn't tell me. They handed me a letter, a note with a name and number and said, this person's trying to get a hold of you. You need to reach out to them, you know, urgently. So I thought, okay, first thing I thought of is, okay, this is going to be the, our hometown police department, they've got Justin, he doesn't have money to collect call or can't figure it out, you know, anything, right? Sure. And um, so I went upstairs and I dialed the number and the person on the other line answered Green County Corner. And uh, I was like 10 seconds and I was just completely changed at that moment that 10 seconds, my life, I, I tell everybody, I have that before that call and after that call. And um, he told me that Justin had been in an altercation with his roommate and um, they had started verbally fighting and it ended up physical, uh, you know, physical fight. And Justin um, was, had him up against a wall from what I understand. And he, um, the roommate decided that there was no exit is what he told the police. And Justin didn't have a gun or a knife or a bat or any kind of weapon. It was just his hands. And this roommate of his pulled his gun out and shot Justin in the chest and killed him instantly. Now, I've recently, when I started talking about this, um, found out through newspaper articles that there was a struggle with the gun, but that was never mentioned to me. So I don't know how, you know, how the news media is. Sure. I don't know if that's a true statement or not. Um, but what I do know is that there was a witness that um, did state that Justin had no weapons that they were physically fighting and that he had pulled the gun and shot Justin. He didn't mention anything about struggling or anything to the police. So my life, as you can imagine, changed in that very, very moment. And so I knew um, after that, and of course you go through the grieving process and I'm still grieving. You'll always be grieving yeah. that um, I was given this pain for a purpose. And I tell everybody that, um, you know, 
when I, when this first happened, I couldn't figure, I was angry. I was so angry at God. I was so angry that, and I didn't grow up, like I said, I didn't grow up in like a Christian home. I mean, we, we knew about God, but I didn't know the depths and, um, and still to this day, I'm very uneducated and I'm learning. So, but I do know that, um, I, I kept saying there has to be a reason I've been given this and Justin is not with, with me here. And so I went to a counselor and the counselor suggested I went to like a Christian based grief group. And I learned a lot about God and, and I got very angry with him and I got very mad at him. And, um, and I learned that that was okay. Right. That that was okay to be angry and that he understood. Um, and I kept searching for my purpose. Right. I'm thinking there's gotta be a reason. Yeah. And um, so I remember driving home from that Christian based group and I just said, OK, tell me, tell me, what is it? What is What's the purpose? What do you want me to do with this? And he I think or he or heard or, or imagined, I don't know. He just said, be kind. And so I was like, okay, I I can do that. I can be kind. I don't know what that means, but okay, I'll be kind. And before Justin passed, um, I've always been positive, sunshine, roses. Everybody wants to hang out, you know, because I'm, you know, uh, fun. And and, that's so hope. That is so hope. And that is so hope. And um, so I thought, okay, I can do this. I can be kind. So I volunteered. I started to volunteer. Um, I, you know, Justin was such a giver and, um, I tried to pay it forward. And I remember being in line my first time paying it forward, going, okay, I'm this, I'm, I'm supposed to be kind. So I'm going to pay for the person behind me, but I knew that it was in a drive-thru. I could hurry up and get out. It wasn't like those double windows. So, <laughs> so I'm in the line and I told the lady I wanted to um, pay for the person behind me. And, um, she was told me the amount and I gave her the amount and I hurried up and left or, or right before I left, I looked over and um, the name tag said Justin, which is my son's name that passed. And um, wow. I was like, okay, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm just supposed to be nice. I was like, I got this, right? And um, so, you know, as, I've, as the past four years have gone on, I try to do everything possible to spread kindness and be good and and try to pay it forward as much as possible and volunteer. But um, last year when COVID started, and I knew that I wanted to write a book, right? I I thought that's what I needed to do, um, was to give everybody, you know, positivity and encouragement and know that there's a purpose. And and, um, so when COVID hit, we all started Zooming, right? And so I was like, I'm on, you know, that was I knew the outlet that I could use. And so what I decided to do was I developed a program. I don't know where it came from. It came from, you know, up above. And he gave me the words and the knowledge. And I developed this program called Grief to Hope. And basically it's a virtual grief support group for anyone that's going through grieving at any time of their life. Um, and we meet and we talk about, you know, topics uh, that's on there. And it's just a support group. It's a peer group. And it's just blossomed. And it's my way of spreading kindness and positivity. But it, the, the biggest thing is just allowing people to come and be with people that understand and get what you're going through is probably the most comforting thing in the whole world. Yeah. So that's where Grief to Hope took off last year during COVID. Wow. That's incredible. And do you, do you think, and this is just one thing that's coming to mind. Do you think because it was virtual that it became bigger because it was able to go to communities outside of your community? Absolutely. So I, I, you know, I didn't know where to start or how to promote this. So of course I had every family member that I knew of joined the first group, right? And every office member, I'm like, please come to this. So there's nobody, you know. Um, But what had happened was a few people from that Christian-based group came um, and friend, a friend of mine that had lost um, her son to suicide came. And it's, 
it's a seven week rotational program. So we talk about different things, you know, throughout the week. It's just a main topic. Um, it, like, you know, I spell out grief. So we talk about the gift of time and receive help and inspire. And so there's always a main topic that we start with, but, um, absolutely. I think reaching out through social media has helped through Facebook groups. Cause then I started getting people from Canada and I've got people from North Carolina and I've got people from South Carolina. And I had somebody join from the UK. Of course it was like a different time zone. She couldn't make it work, but you sure. know, um, and so it's, it's, it's grown and it's, it, it's exciting. But at the end of the day, when I hear them say, you know, it was just good to be myself, just come and say the words that I couldn't say to, you know, my friends or my coworkers or, or you know, just to express the, uh, the, just the comfort of knowing that what I think, you know, in three months, six months, nine months that somebody's going through or four, four years down the road. Um, and it's sort of like a, a light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing. Yeah. And I mean, with anything in life, you want to be seen and heard and, and felt like you're understood. And what a beautiful way to do that, especially in a time when we were needing to stay away from people and not not get together and not have that sense of community or communion. Like, that's such a beautiful way. And it's one thing, I think, as the the people were coming in to feel like they were the, they could be themselves. I think so many people just don't know how to say I'm sorry and that doesn't that's that's such a a natural response to something when they hear that but it's like what do you say if you've never been through that right and so I think for those people to be able to come into a Zoom and just go here's yeah. everything and this is how I'm feeling and be real and then not have someone just be sitting there like Right. Because, you know, you know how people respond when they find out, like we talk about this too in the group, like that awkward question that people give you is like, um, when you lose it, when you lose a child, they ask you, well, how many kids you have that you don't know? And then you say, well, you know, and like my situation, I say, you know, I have two children, Brian's uh, 31 and Justin's forever 19. And then they're like that look on their face, like, oh my God, I, I don't know what I started. I'm so sorry. And then sure. they just, it's like awkward. And I tell people all the time, you got to be forgiving for those moments because we all get it. We've all been there, right? And unless you've truly been in a grief moment, you 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 sympathize, but you don't understand the depths of it, how it could be sometimes. And I tell people all the time, if you've never been through grief, you don't you don't get it. You really don't right. get it. And it's and it's depends on, you know, if it's a traumatic, there's all different levels too, right? Totally. I tell people, you know, there's levels of grief where um, you know, suicide creates a whole level. Um, COVID, not having to be able to have family around in during COVID was probably the worst thing ever is to be feeling isolated on top of having to deal with death. And on top of that, on the news, that's all they talk about was the death count, right? It's in your face. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like a daily kind of, if you're listening, you know, you're hearing a death toll every day and, and maybe your son or your daughter, your mom, your dad, your grandma was part of that death toll. So it's reliving that every day. So I think there's different layers um, layers and levels of, of grief. And there's, you know, the traumatic, there's the health base, but at the end of the day, if it's grief is grief and it's losing someone that is so close to your heart. Um, it's, it's good to be around people that understand, especially it's almost comforting to know that someone that you love the depth of what you're missing out on somebody else feels. And I know that sounds horrific, but it's, it's almost comforting. Totally. Yeah. Well, I don't think it sounds horrific. I think it's as, as you're grieving and you're thinking about these things and you're having these conversations, you want that more than an awkward conversation of like, Oh God, I said the wrong. Mm, right. Sorry. <laughs> you want somebody 
that is like not even comparing like oh my my son or daughter or husband or whatever committed suicide but it's like that's a massive grief and so right. you're like yeah you get the depth that i'm in maybe even right. more so so it's like you you feel like somebody's there like you said you don't know it until you're there right and nobody's walking into the day thinking today's my day to find my grief <laughs> right exactly it doesn't it doesn't ask if you're ready for it no. so the second it happens to you it feels good to know that there's people out there that that are going through it as well to help each other oh yeah because if you don't have that then you're going to you're going to drive yourself mad it is. It's so hard because a lot of people say, well, I went to counseling, right? And I think that's awesome. Um, counseling, and I tell everybody, this is a peer support group. I'm not licensed. Nobody on here is licensed. This is all by experience. And I think it's comforting to them that they're not being judged or, or critiqued or how their grief is. And um, I think a lot of times people think that grief goes in stages and then all of a sudden, magically, poof, it disappears. And I tell people all the time that, my grief will last forever. Grief's going to last forever. Yeah. And I'll always be grieving my son. But the way that I describe grief is like a heartbeat monitor. It goes up and then some downs. Then there's some, you know, lag time. And then as grief, as you are grieving longer, those lag times last a little bit longer. But you still have those beeps and you still go down and you still have those great things. Um, and then you have those great days and bad days. But you have to learn how to... Um, take what you're given and create and inspire yourself to be the greatest person that you can be and live for them. And that's what I tell everybody. I have the biggest fan in heaven, right? Like Justin wants me, or or I'm embarrassing the crap out of him, one or the other. <laughs> He's like, you know, that's you the balance of life, mom, though. Right? It's either mom, could you cut it, yeah. um, or you know, just do it, mom. You know, make it yeah. make me proud, and that's what I want to do. And and that's why I work. Like grief to hope is bigger than me. It's um, and I say this all the time: grief to hope is bigger than me, but and I have to earn it. And so I have to earn every day of how I can make it better and how I can help other people because, you know, people say all the time, why are you doing this for free? And I, I do it because it helps me help them and it, and I'm honoring my son and I get to say his name all the time. I get to talk about him all the time and, and people don't get that, you know, and some people are like, oh, you got to relive this story like, no, no, no. I get to tell this story. Right. I get to say his name and, and say what kind of person he is and explain the story, but I honor him all the time. And that in itself is a huge blessing to me. Yeah. You get the power of it. It's, it's your story to tell at this point, because if you stop talking about it, what just, what, what, what does that do? That doesn't, right. that doesn't help you. It doesn't help Justin's memory. It doesn't do anything for anybody out there who's had a situation even kind of similar to yours. And yeah. to your, to the point of the grief is like, yes, there's so many different kinds of grief, but the cool thing about a peer group with that kind of thing is that it is your grief. You right. grieve your way. They grew, grieve their way and that's okay. And that's yeah. a beautiful thing about a peer group is it's like, it, it's not saying you're wrong for your grieving. It's just come here and grieve and let's, let's figure it out together and walk through this together. Cause again, you didn't ask for the grief, right? It was brought to you by life and then yeah, bond together, say the names, like put the power in it. You know, I mean, you have a horrific situation happen and then what a beautiful way that you've come about it to still be able to talk about your son and talk about him to other people and help them because you're telling your story and the better that the more energy and the love that you put into that they can feel that and then see how well you're doing and then you probably get that from other people and that's a really incredible way to deal with an impossible situation it, you know, it, it, the situation is just exactly it. Exactly right. It's here. 
it's here and we get we got one or two ways we can be the victim or we can be the survivor and and do something positive to make something purposeless purposeful of it and i um i'm honored that um i'm able to do this and and enjoy it and you know exactly what you said with people and grieving and being themselves and coming in um you know that i hear that all the time like whew, it's like they could take that that weight off their shoulder and just be uh, that yeah you know and it's and it's one of the greatest things with grief to hope is there's no judgment first of all and and i and i say this in every single meeting is that we aren't here to judge you we're not here to uh, disrespect you. We respect everybody's opinions, religious beliefs, uh, feelings, diversity, all of that. All we're here together is to be here for each other because we all know what we're going through. So it, it's it's a great thing. Yeah, and I, I love that you said that of just no judgment. Just, I mean, because again, it is everybody's grief. Everyone's dealing with it, how they, how they are. And then right. you're just learning that could be, you have a really good day and you're super positive. And the next day, it's just like, I hate everything. I know. You know, and I don't, I don't want to, I want to sit here and I'm just going to like flip the camera off the whole time. And that's my grief for today. Right. Exactly. And that's what we try <laughs> to teach everybody is to feel the moment. Right. And to um, not try to hide it and not try to put it away. Because I think when you store something, it stays, it keeps building up when you store it. Um, and I tell everybody, I, I, one of the quotes that I use is, you have more strength than you when you're grieving. You have a griever has more strength in them than some people could ever imagine in their lifetime. Because they're the moms that get up every day after losing a child and have two other siblings that they got to take care of. They got to pack lunch. They got to get them off to school. They got to make Christmas perfect. They got to make Easter perfect, trick or treat. And when really they just want to go to bed and hide, right? Right. Um, so the strength and the courage that anybody that's going through grief is just incredible. And I, when I'm done with Grief to Hope, um, after our sessions, I'm just completely inspired and amazed by the the courage and the strength of all these people. I love that so much. And yeah, I mean, life, yes, grief happens, but then life continues. Right. It doesn't slow down. I mean, yeah, to think about waking up every morning and still having to have some semblance of a, of a, of a family, of a, a life of, uh, any kind of control over <laughs> what happens in your home. Right. I mean, yeah, I cannot, that, that, that is incredibly empowering and strengthening. And just the fact that people are doing that all the time. And I, I just, it makes me sad to think of people not having something like grief to hope to talk about it, or they just can't bring themselves to that. That, that makes me so sad to think about. And, and, and it, it takes time. It takes a lot of courage to build up to come to Grief to Hope. And when they're there, I applaud them so much because the amount of strength and courage it takes. Just imagine, you know, not only do you sometimes have to hide and, and mask up your grief, but then to come to a group and, and sort of have to share and, and sharing is not required, of course, and it's all volunteer, but that takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage to have it in your face too. And if you're in the midst of grief and all these other people are grieving, you're like, whoa, this, this is a lot, right? Yeah. But then you realize that you're just a part of a group that's not by choice, but by chance. And these people, sometimes they, they create the best, best friendships. Um, just being together and, and going through it. I know um, some of my closest friends are, you know, from my previous grief groups. So it, it's, it's great. It's amazing. And I love it. I'd love to watch people as they grow, because like um, we had a lady that lost uh, her son and she was encouraged to join my group by a friend that joined the group and she joined it and she listened for the first seven, uh, for the first session seasons series i'm sorry and then she came back on the third series and started to talk and when she talked um she says you know i listened for seven weeks and this is um i decided it was my time i i wanted to 
my story. And that, of course, with all the tears flowing on everyone's face is um, the growth that you can experience just from listening to other people's stories, because we all have stories, right? Yes. And that we don't know what stories are going to touch who. And my story may not touch somebody, but she may have heard somebody else. And it was actually a suicide uh, story that she had heard. Um, and she felt like it was her turn to share to maybe benefit someone else. Yeah. So really, really cool stuff. Man, it's so powerful. When people can put put aside judgment and just be real and have conversations that are just so necessary. I think yeah. that's really incredible. Like, I mean, you're proving that just <laughs> in, in impossible situations, you're finding such strength. And if people could see the smile on your face, it's really <laughs> powerful. I can feel, I can feel your passion. I can feel <laughs> the love and everything that's coming in through this. It's an, it's incredible and such a heavy subject to talk about, but you're beaming with, this this passion this love and i think that's really amazing it, it's i thank you so much everybody says that um, my smile is contagious and i tell people that um you know when you when you're living your purpose and you're honoring your son and doing what i i get to do um it's it's an incredible experience and i just i i love it um i hate of the situation that we have to be in and why I have to have it but it is like I said it's uncontrollable and we're here and we're experiencing it and by gosh if I can help one person I want to do it and and it's it's meaningful yeah and you touched on on what this whole podcast is about is the the power in stories right and that that's why I love to start these off the way I do and just say, tell me your story, because there's so much power in every human story. And it's so cool to learn and see how people are grieving or their joys and what the, what they're finding is helping or whatever it is in life or just to talk about it and see your smile. And now I'm going to I know when I am done speaking with you, I'm going to be like really inspired when I, <laughs> when I walk away from here. It just, well, it's really, awesome. it's really incredible when you, when you open yourself up to have conversations and meet people. And like you said, that's not the way you would have necessarily wanted to meet all these people who are coming to, to your group, but you're in that situation. So let's make the best of it. It's absolutely, you're absolutely correct. And it, what an amazing thing that you're doing, bringing these stories to light. And I know that you feel the same way after um, a podcast that I feel after a group meeting is that, you know, you are given this great, amazing opportunity to share your stories and other stories of positivity and purpose and love and beautiful, being beautiful, um, is, is incredible so you should be very very proud of yourself as well thank you yeah i mean there's so much to learn i mean yeah. endless amounts of endless amounts of knowledge to know in this world about any different subject every single person you speak to in life can bring something new to your life if you just open your mind to it and sit down and have a conversation and just listen right. i get more i get so much joy when i talk less on these podcasts it's not <laughs> <laughs> i enjoy contributing but the less i talk i just get to sit and bask in it and i'm like oh wow what yeah. do i get to learn today this is incredible um yeah and i mean a little bit into my story is i i started telling my story because um coming coming in on three years ago now i was at the beginning stages of liver failure wow and so I was up in Cleveland at the hospital and I was told I might not have another day left um, because I had drank myself almost to death. And so that night I came to a grip with that. I had lived my life the way I wanted to. And I was damn proud of myself for that. <laughs> but I was also thinking if I make it through this, I have to make a difference and I can't not talk about these things anymore. I, I, ha I can't just glaze everything over and drink it all away because I can't do that ever again. And 
I just was like, I have passions and I have these priorities in life that I, that I think that I cannot falter on. So I was like, I'm going to start to make a difference because when you sit there and you look at the vacuum of your life and you're just like, what is my life? Was I, what did I do with myself? I was like, I need to make a difference. And then I was seeing a lot of hatred and ignorance a lot in this, in this world recently. And I was just like, I'm sick of it. Mm -hmm. I'm sick of it. I want to have conversations with people from everywhere to show the beauty in everybody and that we're all very different and we're all weird and we're all whatever descriptor you want to put in, but we're all beautifully human and we can celebrate the differences. We can learn how to grieve from someone who has a story like yours. We can learn about a friend of mine now who grew up in Africa and she farmed. So I was like, well, I grew up in a farming community in, in Ohio. And she was like, yeah, when I see a combine, I get a special feeling. And I'm like, me too. And I'm like, and you grew up in Africa. It's very yeah. different, very, very different. But it's like, once I started sharing my story and finding the power in it, I was like, everybody needs, deserves and needs to know that they have power in their story and be celebrated for their story. So let's have these conversations. And a lot of people just don't have these conversations. So I would rather have them and just let people press play and listen if they're not ready to have the conversations because they just need to happen. What a beautiful story of your own. That's incredible. Thank Isn't you. it amazing that something, um, you know, shifts in our life where we learn, we, we got one or two choices and the road that you took is to empower yourself and inspire others to just, you know, get out there and tell stories that people need to hear. And then you could have went the complete opposite way and said, you know what, forget it. I'm going to live this life. And you know, it is what it is. Yeah. So it's two different paths that we're always given. And it's amazing how we, how we take those paths. And, and I think we're given the opportunities to say, okay, you can choose one or the other, but you got to choose. And, and you you make a difference and you are making a difference and it and it's incredible so that's a great great yeah. story that's a great story thank you and uh, your your story touches me a lot as well because i'm i'm putting my 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 when i'm listening i'm actively thinking of my story and being like it proves what i was thinking at that that night in the hospital of man i am going to make people so sad like I, I'm not, I'm not throwing my ego out there. Like I'm the coolest dude, but like anytime you lose somebody, anybody loses somebody, even if it was an acquaintance of mine, they're going to be like, damn, man, that sucks. <laughs> right. Like, then I'm thinking of my mom and what that, you know, so I'm like, your story has a like a little bit to me of like, man, I almost put some people through that and they would have needed, needed a group like yours. Absolutely. You never know the circumstances that you're going to run into or what could have been the what ifs kind of in life, you know, and bless your mom. I'm sure she's grateful to you that you made that decision. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, yeah. um, you know, and, and the things that happen in our life are just completely out of our control um, when it comes to, you know, certain aspects of it. But then there's things that are such in our control that we could like you said, take that path to make a difference. Because at the end of the day, you know, there's, there's firefighters and nurses and doctors and, and, but, you know, that are doing amazing things. But then there's also podcast people that are telling stories that need to be heard and, and grief groups and, and things that are, are not as well acknowledged, but needed. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's that ripple effect, right? Yeah, I don't I truly would love to change every person in the world and make this like the most hippie swaying beautiful peace signs up place in the world. Would I love to do that? 100%. Am I realistic about that? Yes, I know that I'm not going to change every single person's mind in this world, but I will get to as many people as possible. Anybody right. I touch anybody I talk to and that that's what we can do. And then your your grief to hope and then mine with the podcast like our conversation but then all the conversations you're having gets to canada and then like 
it ripples out and then it goes to the UK and whatever. It's just, it, it, it can be that simple of having these conversations and fixing and being, not fixing, just being there for the people that you can touch and then it spreads, right? It is. It's amazing. It's so beautiful. It is. It's beautiful. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So that that's my mission. I just, I, I want to have harder conversations. I just, and I want to listen. You know, I think a lot of people don't realize that a conversation a lot of times is listening. So it's like, <laughs> I want to listen to everybody's life story. Right. And then spread it around. Yeah. Grief is not a great thing. Like it, it's not a, a concert that everybody wants to attend. Right. And it's um, sometimes, you know, when people find out what I, what I do, they're like, oh, really? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I'm having those conversations that not everybody wants to have. Um, and so it's the conversations that have to have and, yeah. and that is needed. And right now it's so needed. And I think just being there and being honest and human and uh, just raw, I tell everybody it's just raw conversation. Yeah. And that's in all walks of what we're all seeing with the world these days, we need very raw, real conversations about a yes. lot of stuff. And so I'm thankful that you're here with me talking about the grief side. Um, on the flip side of it, because mm -hmm. you're having all these conversations and it is, it is tough to carry that. You're carrying your own grief and then you're bringing other people's in and helping and you're absorbing that because as an empathetic person, that, that just festers in us. I, I, I know it does with me. On the flip side of it, what do you do for your your mental health with with that? What what keeps you kind of circulating positivity through there? I love that. Um, I I work out in a gym uh, five days a week. I I don't know if that's the greatest thing. It's uh, you know it, nobody likes to do that. Nobody likes to run. <laughs> right? I especially don't like to run, no. um, but what I do is I put on my headphones and I listen to motivational speakers and, um, you know, I may put on a little Justin Bieber every now and then, but, um, no uh, yeah, um, but I, I listen to motivational speakers and I listened because it gives me that, that raw, like, you know, this is what you got to do hope. And it pushes me. And I, and I tell that in a way that when I'm running, and trust me, I don't run that far. Um, <laughs> when I'm running, when I'm running, I say, okay, just one more mile, right? Or I don't think it's one more mile, maybe one more minute, right? And so sure, yeah. that to me helps me keep my focus in, you got to work your ass off, Hope. You got to work at it. And you can't give up when things get bad. You can't get up, give up when you're throwing that, you know, I don't think you're right for me, or I didn't really enjoy that, you know, that group, it was too hard. Um, and, you know, you feel like those failures slaps in the faces. And I feel almost like, um, like, okay, that's a failure. I'm failing. I'm not doing this right. And when um, I feel that way, I realize that that's teaching me and me teaching me at that moment of what I can do differently. So, okay, so that's not working. So let's try something else. Um, and so instead of feeling like a failure, I use my workouts at the gym as just that one little step. If I could do 30 more seconds and trust me, I'm like 30 more seconds and I'm done. Um, <laughs> That teaches me. So that helps quite a bit. Like I really, and I don't, I don't enjoy working out. I shouldn't say that. I enjoyed the after effect. Of sure. Yeah. Out. When I'm walking out the gym and I'm like, yeah, I'm walking out the gym. Yeah. I'm done. Um, that really helps me. And then, um, my grandkids are amazing. I have two beautiful grandkids, um, that keep me going and I do a lot for them. Like they're just, they're amazing little humans and yeah. they are, um, I, I hope that I'm teaching them and I hope that I'm teaching my, my son, um, and my, my son in heaven that, you know, you just can't stop. You just got to mm -hmm. keep doing the right things. And if you fail, that's okay. You're going to learn from it, but 
um, my grandkids keep me going. They keep me laughing. If I'm having a bad day, you just FaceTime them and yeah, they yeah. are, they're great. <laughs> so mental health wise, absolutely. I struggle with anxiety a lot. Um, and so I, I, you know, working out helps listening to motivational speaking, um, being engaged in my family. Um, they mean the world to me. And then, um, at my work, I, I do a lot of work with employee engagement. So I bring on new hires. And so I'm for, sort of like the first face that they see. And, um, and they're probably like, oh, she is too much on the Monday morning. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just that kind of thing. It's a, it's a passion and I'm lucky enough that I can do that. So that's what I do usually for, for that side of keeping positive. And boy, do I not want to let my son down, right? Well, I mean, there's no way he couldn't be proud of you because you're kicking ass. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Um, yeah, I love I love how <laughs> it's so funny thinking about working out because <laughs> one of the big parts of getting myself healthy was the doctor was like, you got to start exercising. You got to get healthy. And man, I don't like running. I don't like, I don't like it. I, like if it has a purpose and I'm playing soccer, sure, I understand it. But if I'm just going out on the street and I'm just going to start going for miles, I'm not a fan. But I developed a little workout routine that it's, it's ever changing, but I do it every single night at, right at the end of the night, right before I'm about to go to bed. Okay. Because it's a challenge every night and I want to prove to myself that I can do it. Even if it's two 30 in the morning and I'm just so tired and I'm like, I just don't want to do this. And I'm like, well, you could have done it at any point in the day, but you yeah. were stubborn <laughs> enough to leave it to right now to just beat yourself at your own game. So I do that. I do that too. And I've done it now for over two and a half years, just wow. like keeping at it to just, give myself one challenge per day if if only one challenge and it's it's on myself and i know that i put myself in it every single day but it's it's a fun challenge just to give myself that every day i think it's the accomplishment of it right totally. so i it's amazing like i'm at the end of the i'm like i did it I did not want to get out of bed this morning at five o'clock, but I made it and I've done it. And I knew that if I didn't do it today, I would have to do it tomorrow. So why not get it done today? Um, so it's a major accomplishment that you totally. feel. And so I think that's awesome. I can never do it before bed. I am too <laughs> much. I am like out early. There's no way I could do it. <laughs> but I mean, I, on the flip, I couldn't do it at 5 a.m. So. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we're, we're on, on different, you're on the sunrise, I'm on the sunset version I, of it. Absolutely. That's awesome. I love that. Um, and I love that you're, I, I didn't want to interrupt, but I almost just said that's so hope when you were like, they're probably not wanting to see me and you're, well, it's a little much on a, on a Monday morning. And I just wanted to be like, that's so hope. <laughs> but what a, beautiful, that. what a beautiful way to, to like, bring such joy to a new situation because new hiring comes with such a different i mean it's like first day of school so you're nervous as hell right. you're you're happy but it's like what's this gonna be it's it's all those things and then they get to meet you which i think is fantastic <laughs> and what a cool Aww. way for you to inspire and welcome people so that moment when they're walking in the door like what the hell is this what am i doing <laughs> Oh, this is fantastic. This is the first woman I get to meet. Hell yeah. This is going to be so nice. Like this kicks ass. Yes. I think I need you on my resume. But Deal. absolutely. Yeah. Send them my way. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. And especially with this remote environment, we're bringing people on, um, you know, remotely. So just imagine starting a new job and have to do it from your house. You know, and so the first person you see is you're like, oh, what is this crazy lady? And so, but that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I think it's, it's, it just speaks to who you are from now that I've known you for an hour <laughs> and, and talked to you very deeply. It's, it's, I, I see that in you. And I just think that's really beautiful. And awesome. I, like, what a cool way to just keep that positivity and like seeing, like, 
a new a new start of life for somebody and a new a new chapter in their in their book is like and i get to be the first person to say hi <laughs> i know really and they're rad. probably thinking wow is this how the rest of y'all live <laughs> <laughs> i love that so much that's so good i wanted to ask you with everything including the mental health this one and it goes with your name because we've said it a lot now what gives you hope moving forward hope um you know the the greatest thing is is like i've said grief to hope is bigger than me and it's something i came up with but i came up with the mindset that it's going to grow and um i want it to be almost and I, i hate using this but it's the best way i can describe it um you know how alcoholics go to AA, right? I want people to associate grief with grief to hope, sort of like AA, you know, if I'm, you know, not that I I want that stigma, but I want it to be, that's the first place you think of like, okay, I I heard about this grief to hope, maybe it can help me um, and, and know that it's a comforting place. So is that, that would be my ultimate goal is to be a place where everybody can feel that comfort in the worst time of their life. Yeah. And, and I think that that brings me hope and, you know, I hope that that's my legacy that I leave on this earth. And I keep telling my grandkids cause they know a little bit about it. Um, they know that, you know, Nana tries to help people that have lost other people and that's all they really understand and know at this age but i keep telling them i said you know you're gonna i want this to keep going i want you to always you know if you want to do this to do it um so that's my that's what keeps me going gives me hope that's so cool and as you said that um it's like grief will happen Mm -hmm. alcoholics will always will always be around it will happen people will be addicted to drugs as much as we don't like it It, it's going to happen but the beautiful thing is that there are organizations out there there's people out there to help and i think that's such a noble and beautiful and inspiring passion of yours to be put yourself right in that conversation of i have grief i'm going to grief to hope and i think that i think that's really brilliant i think that's beautiful Thank so you. Beautiful. I hope so. I hope that it continues. Yeah, I do too. Um, <laughs> I will be. I will be cheerleading for it. If I okay. if I know of anybody that's going through anything, I will send them that way. That's and actually, awesome. on that note, how if if somebody's listening and hearing all of this, how how do they find you? Absolutely. So I have a website. Um, it's www.grief the number two, hope, support.com. And in there, you can contact me. It talks about Grief to Hope. It talks about what we do. Um, but you can also uh, sign up for a newsletter. Um, I'm do, I do that um, throughout the summer. And then it'll tell you when our next series starts, which is September 9th um, coming up. And you can just email me if you just want to talk and find out, you know, what it's about, what I'm about, um, or if you if you're struggling and you just need to to talk to someone, just let me know. Email me. You can reach out to me that way. And um, I'm on Facebook. You can reach me at Hope Rieger on Facebook. I also have a Grief to Hope Facebook and Instagram. Um, which I'm not very good at. I don't, you know, I'm trying, I'm learning, (laughs) I'm I'm learning Instagram, Um, but LinkedIn, um, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, So any kind of social media, I absolutely reach out, but I encourage you, if you just want to ask some questions, I am an open book, transparent. I love it. I love it. And I'll, I'll put all that in our show notes. So it'll be nice and easily clickable to find you. Um, all right. So my last two questions, my first question for you is what would you want the world to know about you? Hope. Oh, wow. That's a deep question. Um, I think that I, I was, I'm a survivor, you know, I think that's probably the, if you asked me to describe myself, it'd be a survivor. I love that. That's such a big, brilliant word to, to describe yourself with. And it's true. I mean, 
That's so, so good. I can, I just, I mean, your smile again, it's very infectious. It's so good. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. You're so welcome. All right. So last question for you is if you had the ear of everybody in the world, what would you say to them? Be kind. And if you're going through anything, reach out to someone, whether it's, drug abuse, domestic violence, cancer, grief. There's so many things out there that you just need to reach out and ask for help, no matter what it is. Um, there's plenty of us out here that are willing to help and or find you help. If you are dealing with domestic violence or if you're dealing with, there is millions of things to, to find and to reach out to. And and don't ever, ever be ashamed or or um you know feel like you're not worth it because you are everybody on here is worth it yeah such a powerful message be kind and that you're worth it that, that's yeah. a big one you are worth it absolutely absolutely it. well hope thank you for your time this has been so amazing to chat with you and learn from you and be inspired by you and just keep smiling because of your smile especially through such a tough topic to talk about the fact that you're smiling through it shows me how much of a survivor you are oh thank you your kind words are beautiful i love it thank you thanks thank for you. having me you're so welcome i'm so glad you came and spent some time with me you're awesome thanks for doing what you're doing i'm happy to do it thank you for listening to the beautifully human podcast to hear more beautiful stories from beautiful humans, follow us on Spotify and rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at the Beautifully Human Podcast. Peace signs up. <laughs>